Uh, Mike Realm, welcome to Serato Unscripted uh, from a distance. <laughs> yes, from a far, far away land. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here, man. How are you maintaining right now? Uh, pretty good. You know, I got my room set up where it just looks like I'm in a Virgin America cabin as much as possible. You know, I don't know. It's 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 a weird time, right? Like for people who are listening in the in the future, a year from now, hopefully less, two years, three. Uh, we we're in quarantine time, <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's starting to feel normal, which is kind of weird and bad at the same time. I don't know. Everyone's healthy around you. Yeah, it's just me and my wife and, and our dogs, so we're we're good. Pretty pretty easy to just kind of just. I mean, we both kind of work from home to begin with, so it's uh it wasn't a huge shift except for now we can't you know really go out to eat or enjoy kind of the outside things um but we're kind of homebodies anyways it's good that you've got uh, the people around you that you love and your animals they seem to definitely provide a a sense of peace right yeah they love it i mean i, I don't know i mean they obviously don't know what's going on but it's like oh our humans are around us all day now like this is a nice change my wife and i were talking about it it's going to be weird when things get back to normal and they're going to be like, hold on, where I thought you were hanging. Where, where are you going? Where are you going for two weeks now? What the no doubt. What do you think the world is going to be like actually, like after this so-called return to normal? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that things will be cool. Uh, but the reality is like, you know, you're already seeing, you know, certain cities are, are testing, uh, opening things and like you know you see it like it can't people can't even handle going to a, a mall now like there's a there was a huge fight in a in Atlanta suburb and uh, I mean especially I mean I'm an Asian American like that's it's gonna it's gonna suck to a certain degree um, because of uh, just some things that we've already been seeing um, so in in that way I'm kind of relieved that this whole situation includes us kind of staying home and so I don't have to go out and face that reality just yet. Uh, hopefully things will kind of even out. I know, you know, I don't think it'll be exactly the same, mm. you know, traveling, you know, people like us who travel for a living, I mean, who knows what the air airlines and, and the airports are going to be like, like TSA is already a nightmare, mm. you know? Um, that's what I'm not looking forward to. Uh, and uh, I mean, yeah, it's, it's hard to tell. It's kind of like you think about it to a certain point and then it's like, okay, now let's just kind of let it unfold. I kind of have to sort of maintain my mental health and, you know, stay the course, whatever your course may be, um, which, again, you may not know. So it's an endless loop of, of like stress, yeah. I guess. But I mean, in general, um, the fact that like you know my career is has just been this for fifteen twenty years. Like it's it's been in flux for so long. I'm, I'm used to it to a to a point. Um, but this this is pretty bad currently. Yeah. But has <laughs> it affected your work? I mean, have you have you found it? Have you found the ability to stay creative during this time? Yeah, staying creative. It's been great for that because I have all the time in the world now. Um, it, it obviously everyone's gigs have been 
completely wiped out mm-hmm. for the foreseeable foreseeable near future. Um, that hurts. Even though you know, I'm not I'm not even the kind of DJ who goes out and plays, you know, three, four, five, six times a week to begin with. But still, I mean, it's just like man, like no gigs really. Like, <laughs> damn, yeah, that hurts. Yeah, maybe. it hurts because you miss that. You know, you're connecting with people. You're around. You know, that's a big. You know, when 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 I would go on a tour that would last like you know, a year or something. And then, you know, you come home and it's like, whoa, what, where is everybody? Like, you just get this like weird kind of like, I call it just like tour depression. You just kind of afterwards, you're just like, huh, there's no rush from the crowd. Obviously there's no, you know, the people that you're around become your family. You know what I mean? Um, and then all of a sudden they're just gone. Everyone's, back home or doing another tour and, and you're doing, even if you hop onto a, a, another tour after that, like it's still very, it's such a dramatic shift in what you're doing that like it, you need to like kind of take a, a second to readjust and decompress and then kind of, you know, shuffle your, your life around. Mm. Yeah. When you're in such close quarters, it's, it's only natural to, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, feel that, that and then it's like you fired from a job i would imagine yeah you know, like all right you're you're done you can't there's no even but it's even worse because even if you wanted to go back and visit those people that you liked they're not there yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah totally that configuration of humans will never be there again you know what i mean like everyone's doing their different thing speaking of home you're uh you're based in la now right yeah yeah group in the bay living in la now so but being born and raised in San Francisco, um, I'm curious to know why there are so many great DJs from the Bay Area. <laughs> it's a really good question. I think for me, I grew up, I started DJing in, in like 93. So, it, you know, I wasn't there from the very beginning, but like pretty close at this point. Um, by the time I had started, it was, you know, the scratch pickles were already a thing. Um, scratch hamsters were already a thing. There was, but aside from the the turntablists, there was a shit ton of just DJs in general, like, you know, just club DJs, mobile DJs, like mobile DJing was a thing. Like, I'm not sure if it was like that in other towns or whatever. Apparently it wasn't, but so a mobile DJ group would be, you know, maybe 10 to you know, something that had like 20 people in it. Uh, only one was a DJ, but like the rest of them like carried the equipment and whatever. And they would set these massive, you know, setups just for a school dance. And it was like, there was like at least, you know, where I, I, in my high school, there was like at least three like major groups that were like, you know, they had the the jackets and everything with their name on it. And like those guys with the seniors, you know, the cool guys. And I, I was like a freshman, like, what is it? Who, what, what is that jacket? That's not a, that's not a football jacket. What is, you know, it's all like leather sleeves and fancy, you know, every, they were just the cool, the cool, the, the cool group. And um, I never got a jacket. I never joined one of those groups, but it was just, that was the culture. Like if you weren't into, uh, cars or uh, scratching, you were a mobile DJ. And 
that's that's kind of what it, it's weird. There, there weren't any bands. Right. Like my school, like the, the idea of a of a garage band was not uh, that's that was new to me. Like I didn't know that existed. To me, it was like every block had their garage open, and and just a bunch of DJs were just like kind of in the garage, like mixing and like you know we had like the, the helicopter lights and everything. Uh, it was, yeah, it was kind of a, kind of a cool time. And, and then there was like um, we would make these like mixtapes. These mixtapes would would uh, circulate around and uh you know it was usually the kid you know my friends who had older brothers and sisters would get it and i would just be like well how are they mixing four to five songs within you know 20 seconds or whatever it was just like layers upon layers i could kind of i understood two turntables you know going back and forth okay i get that but then you hear these mixes where it's like, okay, they've got an instrumental and acapella, and then another instrumental comes in, and another acapella comes on top of that, and then that breaks out, and the acapella's by itself, and then they throw another thing in, and then they got sound effects, and where, where's all this coming from? And I realized they were doing like four turntable mixes, mm. and that just blew my mind. Um, and the other thing was uh, a lot of them were using four-track recorders, which... To me, that opened when I got my four track. That was just like, I could do anything now. Yeah. Like what? So what? There's nothing I can't. I could. I could stack tracks. I could uh, just like I could do whatever I want. Like really. Um, and now four tracks is nothing. <laughs> <laughs> like what? How did we do that? Yeah, it's crazy. I think. Um, I don't know if you've heard of uh, heard Kid Koala's early mixtapes, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, he was one of the first guys that I remember hearing doing a very similar style that you describe, with a yeah. a, multi, a lot of layers. Uh, using the four track, uh, and it was mm-hmm. mind blowing. You know that. Yeah. Where were they getting Absolutely. all these sources from, and all these different elements of media? And if you don't know what the technology is, it's like, wh- like, ha- like, you know. Oh, and the other thing I, th- I guess we had in the Bay Area was uh, on the radio stations there would be mix shows, so you could hear every night especially on the weekends, you could hear these crazy, they call them quick mixes. And it's just like, what is that? They're scratching and stuff. I'm like, oh my God, this is, this is what I need to be doing. Like, I, I'm not interested in anything else. <laughs> this is it. I, I, you know, you sit there and you record the, the mixes and play them back in your Walkman on the way to school or whatever. And yeah, so all, my entire high school was just like, that was the focus was just DJing and, I didn't think I'd be doing it after after that. It just because back then it was still, you know, are you gonna you know do weddings or are you gonna do uh, you know mobile gigs for that? That was the lane, you know, or be a radio DJ, yeah. and that was it. Like there weren't zero zero opportunities, zero uh, you know uh, festivals or raves or you know stuff like that. It just wasn't, especially for a hip hop DJ, it wasn't like in the cards so really but you you uh you you got into battling right and and you won mm-hmm. a, you won what was the the itf yeah it was the itf it was the us 99 battle um yeah and that was after maybe i was you know djing for maybe f- i guess six years or so it took a while but you did you kind of pivot your focus 
uh, you did, you decided you didn't want to be a radio DJ per, per se, and you you wanted to focus on battle battle. DJ. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, to me, it was I was always kind of I was kind of had a foot in both, so I wasn't sure. I was you know as a kid, like what am I gonna do? Then I think in the you know in the in the mid to late '90s was when you know you saw like Mixmaster Mike started blowing up on a you know outside of the Bay Area kind of way. You know they were already world champions, but you know now it's like oh he's the Beastie Boys DJ and you know Q's doing all these crazy shows and Shortcuts traveling everywhere and you know they really kind of like opened up the the landscape. Me and my friends were just a bunch of kids tagging along with them like. Dang, Shortcut gets to go here. They're paying. They're paying you money to go, here, and they're paying for your flight. That's crazy. Like, uh, so that just I think what it was for me, especially, was just having that within reach. Just having that whole thing demystified helped me because I think if if I wasn't around them, I wouldn't think that it was possible to be doing that at all. But again, there there they were. They're right there. I mean, like, they lived five minutes from me. It was just normal to just watch them practice. And I completely took it for granted, Yeah, obviously. But that was, to me, that was the land. And, and to me, it was, uh, you know, you, you, you had to win a championship to, to get popular or whatever and then start doing gigs, um, you know, and – I've come to find out that everyone's different. Everything's everything's different. You don't just just because you win a battle doesn't mean that there's some magical promoter club who's like, oh well, welcome. We've been expecting you. Bring your championship belt with you. <laughs> totally. Like it actually it actually doesn't make any sense for a guy who won a scratching juggling battle to then get booked for clubs. <laughs> yeah. I know what you mean. Sorry, uh, don't you think that the battle, like the discipline it takes to win a championship, uh, kind of, did that affect you? You know, like just the rigorous practicing and all these sorts of things Did that. That's a great point because battled up to like 99, 2000. And then I wanted to shift things because again, it was a very, it was very confusing being in kind of both worlds of like, okay, I'm this battle DJ, but then I want to do the clubs and stuff. They didn't. They, they didn't meet, mm. you know, except for like certain certain parties, it would make sense. And it's like, OK, well, there's, you know, Apollo and everybody like it's that that kind of party where turntablism is appreciated. But I mean, few and far between. Right. Um, so when it was time to kind of shift my focus, I, I wanted to put a set together that was like sort of a good mix of entertaining for the crowd but also i wanted to you know stay active because to me it's just like like learning from a the battles because you got to pack you know when you're doing itf that's 90 seconds of per round and it's like you got to like pack everything you can every second counts like if you're standing there at the buzzer and you got five seconds left uh it's that's that's kind of weird unless you've absolutely destroyed it Otherwise, it's just awkward. Right, yeah. Just five, four, three, two, one. That's an eternity. Yeah, standing <laughs> still. That's crazy. Yeah. You do not want to do that. So you're tying everything, you're packing it in, and you know, w- and taking that with 
what I learned by doing like clubs, like we had this thing called Beat Lounge. Uh, it was just a spot Tuesday night. It would be everybody in town. It was definitely about the skills. Mm. Music format doesn't matter. It's just if, if you you could rock a you know high energy freestyle set. You, if you're doing something, you can you can you can you know you can play. Not that there was like discrimination or anything against people who couldn't, but like you could feel it. Yeah, you definitely had to kind of bring it. So like again, like the place like you know Apollo be there, Shortcut be there, Vin Rock. Swift Rock, that was a place that was kind of a sort of our sparring ground. Without it, we weren't competitive, but it was like, oh shit, like yeah, oh he flipped. That. Okay, okay, you know, like you know, a lot of the the raucous records were coming out, yeah, and it was yeah. like, oh man, who's who's gonna flip Definition today? You know, <laughs> <laughs> so I took all of that, like that style, where it was just you're just active, you're doing something, you. You, you're commanding the audience. You, you're requiring attention, um, and started applying it to like different styles of music, with the idea that you know, I would make a set that was, you know, about an hour or so, um, and just to to stay, you know, engaged. And I'm not, you know, just I'm not just playing a song. I'm I'm like I'll play I'll play a good song, but then I'm like fucking with it or layering something or doing like a remix or a mashup or something um so that was kind of like my the next like phase of my life i guess shout out those guys though i mean i've I've been lucky enough to meet a lot of those those people you're speaking of in rock shortcut q and these guys and it feels like that's a really amazing community community to be part of because they're they're very very kind people and very open people uh welcoming Mm -hmm. you know and um and they share a lot you know like it's almost quite it's surprising you know because you i think uh, at least for me i was expecting people to have a lot more attitude and and they were just so nice mm-hmm. and uh, i mean people like yourself yeah. too it's just you can see that that uh that must have been a really amazing environment to be part of at that time yeah and to your to your question in the beginning about like why do you think there's so many djs that come out of the bay area specifically like daily city um, it's because of those guys, though, because they were they made themselves accessible. They were right there. It's you know, again, we completely took it for granted. Like, we would just, oh no, yeah, uh, D Styles will be there on Tuesday. It's cool. I'll just I'll just see him then, and yeah. then he'll he'll and I'll learn something. But it's like, dude, then you'd get like people who would visit. Like Shortcut would always bring some, you know, like like uh, Yoshi or something to come, and we're like, damn man. Uh, and 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 they're like, oh my god, they're video recording everything. I'm like, oh yeah, I guess I, this is this is like every week for us, but I guess it is kind of special. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but it was a, it was just a really cool. Yeah, I, I I would attribute like that kind of stuff. And like we were never the the kind of guys who, you know, if you had like the like some secret test pressing or whatever, like we wrote the name on it. No one hid anything. It yeah. was like, yeah, that's the new tribe thing that no one had been that there. You know what I'm saying? That's a, <laughs> like, it didn't matter it, because it was about the skill. Yeah. Like you your know, skills were what made you stand out. It wasn't mm-hmm. what you had the tools, right? Yeah. If anything, we would, we would freak out when, when someone would bring like a new mixer or something. Like, <laughs> oh, the O five. Damn. Like you have to, yours has to switch. <laughs> yeah, man. I remember that thing. Um, speaking of that, actually, um, 
the technology boom really transformed um that whole region in the 90s you know the, obviously with the the web and everything and growing up growing up around that did did it have an influence on your interest in technology or how did that affect that mm. whole world i mean i know that there's definitely been some uh, you know a downside with the the gentrification of things but just having an influx of technology awareness was that of any did that play a part in in, in your career I guess it at the time, it, you know, it wasn't like, well, I'm in Silicon Valley. I better fucking be this technology guy. But I think you, it, you're right. Like it just kind of ha- influenced you because because you're just around it. You know, if like they're making whatever the the latest and greatest computers 20 miles away, and that's what everyone's talking about. I guess it it kind of makes sense that it would that that would be a huge factor in how you make your decisions. And where you prioritize things in the same way that, like, I would imagine for the people who grew up in L.A., you know, the film industry would be is like so it's just that's you're in it. You're there. All the billboards, you know, the Bay Area has a very, you know, like even if you think about, you know, outside of DJing, like, you know, you got E40, hieroglyphics, quantum you know, scratch goals, very, whatever the, the, the mainstream industry says, doesn't matter. We, we got our thing. You just follow us. It's, it's okay. We're right here. You don't have to go through whatever channels and stuff like it. It, I think that, that more than anything influenced me and in the way I carry myself, you know, and the way I kind of conduct my, my business and whatnot, um, just to kind of have that, you know, I don't. I don't want to have to depend on too much to operate. You know, I think E40 is a great is a great example of that. Totally self sufficient. Yeah, yeah, totally owns his own shit, like everything. Yeah, I mean, he'll he'll incorporate other things, you know, obviously, or collaborate or something. But it's not, you know, uh, he's he's done more on his own than most, I believe. Same with hieroglyphics. Yep. You know? and yeah, and you've huge. worked with a lot of uh, a lot of different crews that you've touched on just then as well right mm-hmm. you worked with uh dell from hieroglyphics yeah my first nationwide tour was with gift of gab from black delicious uh opening for him um and then i toured with with dell for maybe a, a all told maybe like two years um did hyro day last year i think last year or two years ago one of those um and yeah. So I mean, yeah, the Bay Area is very, very supportive of of its, you know, its brethren. That's really cool. And you're st- you still tour as a DJ as well for. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it, who are you you working with right now? So now I'm, I go out with uh, Farside. So I moved to LA. So yeah. you know, but we've been. I mean, I met them uh, on a where was it? We we were on a on a tour in Australia. Um, it was called Good Vibrations. It's a, it a big festival that kind of toured the different cities. And I was like, man, they're having fun. You know, they're incorporating video and everything. I'm like, oh, this, this is interesting. And then they just started hitting me up. Um, and then I moved and it, it, it kind of worked out and they needed a DJ. So wow. here I am. You've done work for the Jabberwockies. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I directed a music video with them um, called Devastating Stereo. And I knew them because... The bangers are their 
musicians uh, and Nick No is their main, I mean, I don't know what he does now, but he is their guy. And I just started talking to him. I'm like, hey, what, what are you guys doing for that? Because they had just moved to, to Vegas and do their show. And uh, they were, I mean, they were already huge. They're, you know, everyone knows Jabberwockies. Um, you know, it's just like, like I've known, I've known Nick for years. Like he's from the Bay. Like, again, we all, it's just, we're coming from that same, you know, uh, area. We just come from the same place, basically. I mean, it's, yeah. it's insane how much influence the Bay and San Francisco area has had musically, mm-hmm. media-wise. It's just insane. And, you know, you touched on it a little earlier. You, t- you said, like, ho- Hollywood and L.A., you know, the film industry was there. Coincidentally, I found out recently that a lot of the films used to be produced in San Francisco and in the mm-hmm. Bay Area, and then that moved to Los Angeles because it was cheaper or something a long time yeah. ago. Cheaper, better weather. Better weather, know. yeah. <laughs> Sure. That had to have a lot to do because the Bay Area is pretty freaking foggy. Yeah. Shout out Carl the Fog, right? <laughs> Dude, every time I visit home, I'm like, how did I do this? <laughs> hey, Jeez. man. I'm in Vancouver right now. I know all about um, fog. Oh, you get it. You get it. Yeah, bad weather. So I guess just going now, we're kind of, I really wanted to get into the, the music video and the, the, the way you've incorporated mm-hmm. these things together. Uh, what was what was kind of the spark that triggered your creativity um, creativity and and with blending music and visuals together? I think early on it was, you know, I'd always been in, more interested in filmmaking than I was with music. To be totally honest, like that was kind of the plan. Was like, oh, do, you know, I'll DJ for a little while and then I'll go to film school and then I'll make movies and then that'll be it. And that the DJing will be a fun. Oh, that was fun, you know. <laughs> Little did I know it would, you know, as as it was, it was just such a weird time because I started going to college, and it was cool, and then started getting gigs, so the college took a back seat, started traveling. I was like, I can't, I can't do this. That's crazy. I can't. I'm not even here. I'm not physically here. This is before you could really do like online classes or whatever. Not that I would have done it anyways. Um, so that became the focus, and until maybe i mean i was still into movies and everything like that doesn't stop um but then when i started doing my like my so like like this guy show with the suit and everything and like just kind of making it that uh i had to figure out a way to kind of fill the stage because you can you can do all this crazy stuff and scratch your ass off but there's still the stage is huge. Like especially if you're at a festival or something, you have to fill it. I'm just one guy with turntable. I don't run around, and you know. Um, so I figure, all right, if I put a visual up, that would help. You know, you can make it as big as you want. Um, so I would have like you know a DVD that was like an hour, and it had like you know. Uh, Sometimes it would have like a visual where it's like yeah whatever, or or it would have like a fight scene and maybe do like a weird you know mirror effect or something just to make it look interesting or mess with colors a little bit. And but, but I would have these sections where it was uh, it was messages, it was like words and like you know things to the crowd, you know like little fun facts or something. A lot of the the first shows I was doing were like art gallery things so a lot like that helped i think that helped my confidence a lot because they're there to see some weird shit anyways you know what i mean so 
having the visuals go on. And so I would kind of tailor my my set. You know, because if I'm just playing a video, it's going to be off sync in, in less than two seconds. Like, it has to kind of be sort of in the middle. It can't be too crazy or too chill because it won't match what I'm doing, which is a challenge. So I'm like, okay, well, yeah, I guess this works. You know, like, oh, all right, yeah. That worked for a little while, and then, you know, the DVJ came out. And I was like, ah, okay, this is interesting now because it's it's a CDJ for DVDs. Cool, I get it. I know exactly. So I just basically transferred a lot of what I already had plus the stuff that, like, in my head, I was like, you know, if, if it ever comes a time where we can do this, I would use this, this, and this movie, that movie, whatever. Um, and luckily, there were a lot of sections in those movies and TV shows that really worked to, like, scratch. Yeah, I would have to I would burn one show disc. I had one. So it's one video output, one show disc, three cue points for the entire set. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, because I don't want to. I don't want to change disc because when you ejected the disc, it says Pioneer DJ with the with the screensaver, and it looks like you know, like a Windows computer. Is oh just yeah, on, you know what I mean, that's what it has output, that. Yeah, outputting to the major yeah. screen, right? Yeah, it said like DVD. You know, it was the DVD that that kind of bounces around the screen. And I'm like, I can't have this. I'm like, this is a show. Yeah. So my limit. That was my limitation. Was I had to every visual aspect lived on one disc and the rest of it was, you know, the rest of the show was on turntables. Um, so I, you know, for those of you who, who messed with video, like I had to build a lot of cheats in, like I had to build in my own fades and everything because there's no way to fade it out. It was just a one video output, whatever. But with that, I was able to, you know, completely change my set. Like now the visuals were locked. Mm. Now everything was, I could, I could make it so that I'm scratching the video part, and that's a, that's a little scene, and then my logo goes up, and then I'm doing a, a juggle on the turntables, and just kind of, I was able to like direct people's attention, you know, exactly how I needed to. Mm. That changed everything for me, really, adding the visuals and being able to like just manipulate it in that way. Wow. And then I guess you got into Serato Video, or was there a, something before that? Uh, there was nothing before that. <laughs> as soon as Serato Video came out, I was like, "Fuck this!" <laughs> yeah. And that I mean that were you early on in that, or like how did you? I mean I know that we've had Serato Video for years I, now. I like to think I was pretty early, if not maybe one of the first, um, because I. had Rain was was very supportive at the time, um, and I was on tour with uh, I was on tour with Blue Man Group. Right. That one, you know, um, a talk about life altering experiences. <laughs> Tell me about that. God. So that one, you know, prior to that, I, I was a lot of show. I was doing a lot of you know touring and stuff, and having the time of my life. And then Blue Man Group calls, and I'm like, oh, what? Like, what is this like? What, am I going to Vegas now? Like, no, it was there. They had a, a tour, you know, like a, like a rock tour, like in arenas and stuff. And um, so I was like, okay, uh, of course, I'm taking it. And so 
you know, prior to that was, you know, me and a few other guys in a, in a minivan driving across the country, you know, that it, that's what that is. Uh, this tour was seven buses of people, eight trucks of gear, and uh, it's, it, it was different. It was different just going from touring one way to this crazy shit. I did a 15-minute set before Blue Man Group every night. That was perfect for me because... You know, it's like, okay, back to, you know, DMC style uh, timing. That's how I was looking at it because I was on the stage. Uh, I didn't have a whole lot of time in front of people. So I was like, I got to start and just as soon as lights come on, boom, that's it. And I'm wasting not one second. Mm. And that was, I mean, it was incredible because I got to play in front of people who I would not normally have played with, you know. It was every city in America, basically. Every city in America that did not have a Blue Man Group installation. So no Vegas, no Chicago, no Boston, no New York. But we would do like the, you know, the surrounding areas, like in Illinois, it was like Peoria or something. But, you know, I would we would do, you know, it was great to do the, uh, the it was called the HP Pavilion at the time, the, the you know, San Jose arena so you know closest as you can get to my hometown we also did oracle did sacramento i mean it was just like ridiculous absolutely ridiculous like i look back and i'm like how did this happen and you just feel you feel like a like a a cog in a wheel because you know before that it was just like oh I'll just roll to the club and just oh, here i'm i'm here yeah. doing my thing plug in this was like okay here's this is this is the person who's going to do your monitors and you got your in-ears and they mic the crowd. And then you got the front of house person and then the lighting person, you know, I have to coordinate with them because they have to kind of know my show so that they can do the thing. Actually, you know, like kind of throughout my career, I've been very fortunate now that I think about it um, with the people that I've been around, um, you know, from early days, at Beat Lounge to Blue Man Group and Tony Hawk and everybody like that is, you know, and like Fortnite and yeah, I've just been around really nice people, really, <laughs> really caring, giving, you know, like they, they're very supportive. Like I'm sure you could tell from you know day one, I was super green, just like, whoa, what is, you know, wow, there's gonna be 15,000 people there tonight. Okay. Every night. All right. <laughs> like, I had no idea. I asked the tour. The tour manager called me uh, when, before the 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 tour left. You know, just kind of like a little. You know, just hey, call, get to know you. And I was like, hey, so um, wh- which which nights do we get a hotel? And he's like, every night. What are you talking about? <laughs> awesome. I wasn't used to that. Wow. So I got a hotel every night. You know, I didn't have to share. It was it's. Uh, to- just a crazy experience. 2007? Yeah. Yeah, Serato Video must have been very new then. Yeah, it was super new. Like, I had... I had just gotten the 57. Yeah, but I mean, imagine going from the DVJ, which, I mean, God bless the DVJ, because that 
you know, that put me in a whole different mindset. Uh, but I mean, that's one output well, yeah. one with one, you know what I mean? Imagine like now with Serato video, it's, you're, it's it's truly turntablism with video. Like you can do fades and scratch and juggle and whatever. Like I never realized juggling looks so freaking cool with video. Yeah. Like that to me, scratching's great, but like a good juggle. Come on. That's what it's made for, hey. Yeah, yeah. I really yeah. That's my favorite element of it. Cool. Um. So. Just going back to the the film stuff, um, I didn't realize that you that's that you went to film school. But um, what were the like? What were the inspiring films that that kind of got you into that the whole world? What was the spark? Uh-huh. The guiding force for me incorporating the visuals in the first place was going to watch Star Wars opening night at the coronet the coronet is like or was like the theater in san francisco where like all of the you know all the super nerds would go to watch star wars and matrix and lord of the rings or whatever so of course we camped out for like three days to get our tickets but like the energy from that crowd on opening night is like nothing i have ever experienced to this day it's something about it's not you know, like a music, like when when a crowd like explodes at a at like a huge music event, that's amazing. I had never seen or heard anything like that in a movie theater, and that's kind of what I was like, oh, so what is shit? Damn, like this is a different thing. It was, it's sort of a um, like I didn't know that a pre-made thing can get a reaction like that. Mm. You know what I mean? Usually it's like, it's live. Like, oh, here's Wu-Tang Clan. Oh shit. You know, like <laughs> that, you know, this is like, hey, we're going to, we're going to press play on this thing. It's going to s- spin this reel and shoot light through celluloid. Go nuts. You know what I mean? That's just, that flipped my whole reality. Really? Um, what Star Wars movie was this? Uh, this was the re-releases when they did the, the extra, you know, you know, digital, digital things to the originals. So, but I mean, Phantom Menace was pretty hype, you know, so So it was like, that's like early 2000s, was it? Or, uh, I don't know where, I feel like it was in, was it in the nineties? It had to be late, late Late nineties. Yeah. Early. Yeah. Yeah. That was to me like a personal shift in how I saw entertainment and that's definitely what triggered the whole djing with the visuals so i wanted that you know i wanted to give people that like oh shit you know you didn't have to know who i am it's just here's the show and then it's gonna speak for itself hopefully so what, what is the best star wars movie this is a very uh Ooh. polarizing topic and Everyone says everyone's gonna say uh, Empire. I, I actually like Jedi. I actually return the Jedi. To me, that I don't know why that to me is like Star Wars. Like I feel that's my one. Then Empire. Then, then a New Hope. And the prequels sort of all meld together for me. Uh, the stand. I 
when I look at when I think of of the prequels, I think of the moments, you know, the duel of the fates and the Yoda fight scene, and that's it. That's all I need. <laughs> and then the other, then the the new ones. I really like Rogue One. I know that seems to be the uh, the underdog on a lot of people's lists. Yeah, I like. But that. Rogue One was good for me. And so moving on from movies, what were some of the um the the music videos? I mean, you grew up like myself, I assume, in the MTV mm-hmm. era. So, um, yep. music music directors. Was there any ones that specifically kind of, I, I don't know, just like blew your mind a little bit? Yeah, Michelle Gondry, all day, all day. That I still pop in that DVD. You know, they, they had the director's label where it was like Michelle Gondry, Spike Jones, and Chris Cunningham. My God, the th- the just the Chemical Brothers Let Forever Be video alone, untouchable. What's that? How? First of all, how do you do that? Second of all, how do you execute that so perfectly? That's insane. That video, it is simultaneously inspiring and demoralizing to watch. <laughs> because I watch and I'm like, oh, I will never, I'll never reach this. I'll never be this good. But goddamn, this is beautiful. Yeah, Michelle Gondry yeah. seems to have a pretty high, a pretty good track record too. You know, think about some of the other other videos he's directed. Um, oh yeah all the bjork videos and the i mean dude i gotta watch that dvd again yeah that is crazy i mean his white stripes video dude yeah please with the the legos come on yeah (sighs) yeah he's he's done uh, a lot a lot of really uh, like totally revolutionary music videos uh what about spike jones did he have an influence on you as well also definitely definitely i mean obviously with the, the beastie boys stuff and then um I mean, Drop is still a video that I I will look to for inspiration. Um, you know, aside from the fact that I perform with them now, I mean, it's just like, like that's another one that's like, well, how, what, how does this, how did this work? How did, dude, they had to get a linguist to like basically backwards translate words and then they had to, dude and it gets and then all that time like my video i made a i made a, a track with dell the funky homo sapien and then did a music video for it and it was totally totally inspired by drop i was like i gotta make my version of that it didn't have the 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 lip matching or whatever but like i was messing around with time i don't know i get giddy when i think about those videos for sure man i mean and the cool thing is, I remember finding out a lot later on um, that the, the the piece of glass they smash at the end of that drop is a Mark Gonzalez piece. Uh, Mark Gonzalez, the skateboarder. What? Yeah. And so I was like, whoa, I didn't know this that. is so dope and Damn. so many levels, you know? The layers and then the Beastie Boys show up. Like, it's just like, wait, what? And it's There's the Beastie so Boys sample. What? Yeah. It's so much. In it. It's so meta before meta. <laughs> Yeah, no, Damn. Then his, you know, his sabotage video for the Jabberwockies video. I was watching uh, sabotage a lot at the time because it was very much an introduction. Even though they were introducing like fake characters or whatever, and I was like, we need to introduce everybody like an all-star game. Like roll them out, <laughs> you know, at six foot six, you know, like just and they kind of do their thing. Like that was. You know, not obviously not the blueprint for it, but like that was a huge inspiration for just how we 
timed and laid out the Jabberwockies video. Speaking of which, your unique kind of approach to blending music and video together is, has, um, has resulted in some really great collaborations and you've just kind of touched on them. What are some of your favorite ones uh, that you can think of? Favorite collaborations? Uh, I would say, man, obviously the Jabberwockies video because that was just like, even when I, when I first started talking to Nick about it, the more we went over just what it would be, it just, everything's kind of made sense. It's like, yeah, it needs to be this, it needs to be this. And here's, we have perfect timing because we have a song that we just made. Oh, cool. You know, just, it just, sometimes it just clicks. I, you know, known Nick for years. And then um, the Dell collaboration too, because we had toured for a couple of years and obviously you want to track with Dell, you know, um, he's the funky but just, homo sapien. Yeah, please. <laughs> and he's a guy who, I mean, he always has like some new shit. Like what I think at the time he had, it was the, the MPC 500, you know, the little, the portable one, the battery powered one. It was like, Oh wow. You could take that. You could, you could play that in the car. Like <laughs> don't have to plug it in. That's crazy. And you could have, you know, he always had something. He's, he's, definitely a he's a studio guy he's a he's a music nerd and i'm like hey we should just do a track and he's like yeah yeah whatever you know like you, you know you know how that goes yeah you, it just yeah you say it but it's like who knows if it's gonna happen yeah came up with the track sent it to him um didn't hear back because we had we had stopped touring i was already on tour with blue man group at the time uh, so in between, you know, stops, I would work on the track and I sent it to him, didn't hear back for a little while. And then one day he was like, yo, I just listened to the track. This is like months later. I already, I'd forgotten that, you know, he had, he didn't even had it. And he was like, this is dope. I'll, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna record two verses right now. I'm like, okay, <laughs> cool. So done. Yeah. And he knocked it out. And when he sent it over, I was just like, what? This is incredible. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that was that was a moment. Um, and then doing the music video for that was another life-altering event because that's how I met my wife. She's the one in the music video. I was wondering about yeah. that. Wow. Her boyfriend at the time is the guy in the video. And <laughs> my girlfriend at the time was the girl at the end in the video. So it didn't happen right away, but a couple of years after the the dust had settled, um, we reconnected and and got married. Wow, that's amazing, yeah. man! What a cool story. <laughs> yeah, that's a collaboration. Yeah, <laughs> top collaboration. That one better stay at the top. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of my collaborations have been, you know, live shows. I recently did the Fortnite World Cup, which. It, another insane experience I was brought on to sort of do the like opening like hype track production slash ceremony thing the setup was absolutely bonkers I don't know if you've seen the the stage for that I think it was eight screens across but they were all angled funky and sort of uh curved because it was a 360 stage just kind of shaped like a boat in the middle of an arena 
So the kids are playing. There was like two levels of of competitors, and the crowd surrounds it. Right. So I was responsible for all this, all these video walls, um, and that was to, just to wrap my head around the setup took a little bit, but then it's like, okay, now you gotta, now you gotta fill it up. What are you going to do? Like, damn. Okay. Step by step here. So, you know, a lot of learning, a lot of just collaborating with a lot of, you know, I am eight bit is, was a production company and they, I mean, they did Drake's tour and like they were just used to guiding all the moving parts there's a lot of moving parts in those things there's you know the there's the live show there's the live show production with the lights and the video and the players the streaming consoles and everything then you have the live stream with however many millions of people um all kind of going at the same time so you have to time everything right and you know my fee they built me a set that was my my floor was video, so if I had something going on, I, I, I'm stepping on it. Um, and they kind of built it custom to my, you know, measurements specs for the for the equipment and everything. Um, it was it was a it took a few. I think we worked on it for maybe three months. Wow. They have different production houses. Somebody's in charge of the the animation for the for the gamers. Someone's in charge of the the casters, that's a big part of it, is the announcers, you know what I mean? Mm. Hundreds of people on this thing. It was it was a city. It was insane. I mean, just kind of learning on the job, you know, with this huge production along with the like my responsibility to fill these screens is was insane. But then once you kind of like wrap your head around, okay, well, you know, you got to think of it as what is a kid going to see if he's sitting, you know, in the arena, he wants to see something flying across, you know, it's very horizontal. So you want to see things flying across. You want to see your favorite gamers. You want to see them like doing weird shit and there's a cool beat and everything. Um, so that was fun. I mean, that's yeah. like full on high, high art, right? That's, I mean, it's like, that's definitely oh, total. like installation style art pieces really. Yeah, it was a huge installation, and I wanted to make sure that there was space for me to kind of rock live. Because I could have easily made something that just played. Oh yeah, here, here's the here's the <laughs> USB. Just go go ahead. That's it. You know. But what's what's fun about that? You know what I mean? It's really cool. I wanted to, and that's that's always how I approach the shows. Even you know, from if I'm out with with a with a with a group, or if it's just me. I want to make sure that I'm doing something because I, I feel I've always felt like a sense of, of guilt if I'm not, you know, working harder than the audience is, you know, I'm just not, I mean, some people can pull that off. I can't. You're a real showman. <laughs> yeah, I, got to, I guess I got to, you know, just be focusing. Um, and same thing with this. Yeah. Like once I hit the, hit the ground in New York, it was just like, I mean, I think I landed at like midnight. I went straight to the venue, and they were fully testing lights and everything. And all right, plug your thing in, and let's make sure this works. And this screen's gonna go live. And this is, I'm like, 
oh my god i'm glad i'm not doing that part because that is ridiculous timing ridiculous i mean the system that was there's just so many different nodes and uh, yeah well i think i appreciate the people that put all that work into those shows man it's a whole nother art in itself right yeah it's it's so satisfying Mm. so actually speaking of that um there's a lot of streaming on like attention on streaming right now um and Mm -hmm. and you know obviously i feel like the gaming world was kind of like the first they really got on that right right away um and now djing's kind of with this situation that we find ourselves in with um you know coronavirus covid and stuff Mm -hmm. djing is now really intersecting into that live streaming world a lot more um you know on an individual level um like serato just recently started our own twitch channel and and Twitch seems to be kind of like the major major player in both the gaming and now the DJ sphere. Um, and I know you you've got your own YouTube channel, uh, Realm Realm Vision. Mm-hmm. Do you think you'll be utilizing uh, you know more live streaming platforms for for your video and DJ performances? I did a live stream with no video. It's just like I I, did, I was just kind of fucking around. I had uh, I had a bunch of mashups that I made with with Toto's Africa. Like literally, that was the instrumental. <laughs> Okay. And I did a, an hour of that. It was kind of fun. Um, I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. There's there's so many live streams right now. It's hard to. For me, it's like. A, I I I want to make sure that it's presented correctly, you know, and B, I don't want to show up on a live stream and then it's like, oh, they're doing verses, so everyone's watching that, you know? Right. <laughs> like, oh, babyface versus. Uh, Teddy Riley's good part two is happening. Great. Part three now. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, part three. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So like, you, like there's no schedule for it. So it's kind of hard to, um, you know, kind of get in where you fit in, especially because everyone and their mom is live streaming. I think I will, but again, I'm not, I'm not the, 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 I'm not the guy who has like 30 different sets. Right. Right. Go. Like I don't, I don't, play every every day i don't even play every week unless i'm like out on a on a tour uh so you know i might do one if 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 it were a situation where there were all right no live shows forever just fuck dj all this you know we don't care coronavirus for life yeah, I might do a live stream once a month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your your work is very complicated, though. I imagine that would uh, it would take so much of your time just to get like a regular stream going on, right? Like, to, yeah, to it's the very time-consuming, and also, yeah, like I want to be able to present, like, okay, I'm I'm doing this visual thing. Like, what's the? How do you present that on on this on the computer? Is it a green screen? Is it picture in picture? I don't know. Is it a combination of both? Do I show my hands to probably? Um, I have some ideas that are pretty close to feeling like okay, this could be it, um, but maybe by then we'll be able to do shows, so it won't matter. Yeah, for sure. Deep down, if if we really kind of took inventory up of it, I think a lot of DJs are just want to do that. Like they don't care about doing parties live. Mm. I think that kind of, you know, quenches that thirst for a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the way I'm looking at it these days is that um, I wasn't playing out much myself, so I've, I've, I'm taking an approach to it like a, like I did a radio show, and I actually had a radio show, and I can't go to the radio station now, so I'm just like using that channel for that, you know, and and that seems a little bit 
again, I'm not doing too much visually, so there's not really that focus, uh, that responsibility or that, that, you know, energy that needs to be put into the visual side of things. It's more just mm -hmm. kind of playing and presenting music to people on this platform in a real time. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's crazy that, you know, certain other artists that I know have, have just done things that are kind of insane with the visual element of it. And the fact that you're in your home and you're in this controlled environment that you can just kind of turn on does give you a lot of extra freedom to kind of do a bit more than just a DJ set now. Um, and you know, yeah. present kind of a, a regular show, if you will, you know? Yeah. It's like, it, you're right. It's like the new, it's the new radio. Yeah. Or it's, this is what DJ should have been doing regardless for, you know, aside from stay at home orders, like this should have been a part of the culture a long time ago because the gamers got on it with Twitch. Um, I know there's the, the copyright issues and everything, but you know, if we would have started on this, you know, and myself included, if we would have gotten on, on this, when Twitch was kind of started to bubble, uh, I think the copyright thing would have been figured out by now. Mm. I truly believe that because they've kind of done it with YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Because you, kind of. you, you, I mean, your Realm Vision. You, I mean, you use a lot of copyright. Uh, I actually had a question about that. Do you allegedly? Right, allegedly, of course. <laughs> um, but do you work? Do you work with the the film produ producers on on these things, or you know, what's your relationship with the with that? Yeah, most of them I do. Like I have to at this point because I was getting a whole lot of copyright strikes. I mean, there, there, there's been different um, sort of eras in YouTube. Yeah, totally. You can kind of mark it by the design changes, but for the most part, there was a time when the copyright thing was just out of control. Like it was just being abused. I mean, it still is kind of being abused today, not as crazy before it was just the wild west like you could you have these companies that basically the, what they would have is just a big room and i've been to some of them and it just gave me chills because i was like this really exists there was uh this room of just like a bunch of like interns and they were just like scrubbing the internet for things that uh sort of it approached gray area copyright wise or straight up copyright um uh violations of the company that hired them's intellectual property hmm. so all the film companies had them the music companies had them. like it was just done by hand if you're some kid uh, working the graveyard shift and you see even something that was titled close to not spider-man or whatever you're just going to take it yeah and you can do that because they were given the power to just take your basically take your money it's a jack yeah it's just that's mine now and then they would receive all of the uh revenue from your video wow now a lot of these yeah kids were just putting episodes of whatever whatever they want game of thrones on youtube of course you take that down yeah. of course but a lot of it was um just abuse and it it goes on today it's, it's just not youtube is is getting better at at they kind of figured out how to sort of mitigate slash kind of get in the middle of all this um and kind of even even the playing field but for someone like me yeah if you know uh if universal wants to claim my 
Chucky remix. Yeah, of course, it's, that's <laughs> you guys own Chucky. Yeah. But I did that with them, so it's a little different. You know what I mean? So, yeah, flash forward to re- you know, the past like five years or so, I've had to kind of establish relationships with with the studios so that hey, we can work together, which is which makes for a better video anyways, because I can get assets from them that I wouldn't normally have access to. Uh, and B, just protect my channel from getting, you know, copyright strike after copyright strike. Yeah. I mean, the, my two of my favorite ones were the Get Out and the Parasite videos that you re-remixed, oh, the movie thanks. remix were so good. Um, did you thanks. Did you work with the directors or the or the producers of those movies for those particular ones? Uh, not on those, no. No? Not on those. Do you know if they've seen yeah. them? I think Jordan Peele might have seen Get Out. I feel like there was a tweet that he I, don't, I forgot if he if he saw it but um i don't think bong ju ho saw uh parasite which i'm kind of bummed about so i'm like oh, i think he would he might like that one yeah it's really great know. yeah it's so cool yeah man. that was fun it, it's like really just so interesting you know i mean like the, the, the way better than anything that those you know companies produce on their own for like a teaser or anything you know it makes you you know, it really, it, it makes the, the whole experience. Like I, I actually saw that and I was like, I need to watch this movie now. You know, like I saw your, <laughs> remix, I was like, it's time now I've got to get, I mean, you know, this is around the time it won the, what is it? The Oscar. Yeah. Yeah. It just cleaned up at the Oscars. Yeah. And I was like, dude, I got to get on this. <laughs> yeah, man. It was incredible. <laughs> but like, yeah, I mean, the cool thing is the first one I did was like an official one. Basically. I mean, well, I, I took Iron Man two. I just ripped it because Apple used to host Apple trailers. You could just download the QuickTime file. And I would just take that and I was like, oh, just make a make a beat out of this. And then and then John Favreau saw it and was like, let's turn this into a commercial. I'm like, hell yeah, that's awesome. John Favreau is doing it. Um, so the good thing is now with with like social media, a lot of the because it's it's the directors who get it, it's the creatives who get it. Um, and the marketing people, like, you know, someone like Edgar Wright saw my um, Scott Pilgrim remix and immediately, you know, sort of was like, yeah, what's up? Let's, let's do something, which is cool because in a way, a lot of his films influence that style. You know, he has the, the he does the, you know, the on beat edits, quick montages. You know, when I would see those, I'm like, oh, I see what I see what he's doing there. All right, cool. Yeah, and uh, I could, John Favreau, he's he's a DJ or he has like a selection selection. I think um, this guy I know in LA was working on on like these compilation albums with him, John 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 Favreau. Yeah. yeah, he's a very I mean like dude, he's he's a chef, he's a, he's a DJ, director. I mean he does it he does it all. <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, how do you choose these? You know, how do you choose the movies that you want to work work on? When it's just up to me and, it, and it's not like a, a, a job work for hire or anything, yeah. um, it's really just kind of what I what I like. I mean, like with Parasite, like I love that movie, and yeah, the timing of it, I I wanted to get it out before the before the Oscars while everyone was talking about it and stuff, because um, you're thinking about the views too. Of course, and also it kind of has to have a thing that I can sample. Yeah, you know, because like. After, you know, 20 years of DJing and, and sampling and producing, like, you kind of get used to just hearing those things, 
You know what I mean? They I know you out. know what I mean. Yeah, they jump watching... out of you. Yeah. Yeah. You hear open drums. You hear a quick acapella. You hear a little phrase. You just you just know it. And especially when, like you could you could you could sit through a movie closing your eyes and you could you could pick out certain phrases that they say that will land on a beat. Like you just kind of they just say it. And obviously with the Parasite uh, remix, they had the song that they were singing. So as soon as you see that, it's like. All right, that's the chorus. <laughs> it can it can be nothing else but that. And then you know you got the rock and stuff, and you know, not to spoil anything, but there's a bunch of stuff. There's a bunch of remixable little samples in that movie. And then I think same with Get Out. It was the it was the uh, the stirring of the you know the tea. The, yeah. And then um, yeah, I think it's always it's always like at least one thing because if I, I find that if I don't have at least a, a a kind of a repeatable, you know, sample. It just feels forced. It just feels like oh, now you're just throwing now you're just throwing clips on beat. Totally. It's so funny though when I think about it, how much like especially rap music, like borrows from film. You know, I mean, I'm just thinking of the most obvious you know example is the RZA and all the things he's done with you know the constant um borrowing of the, the kung fu flicks and stuff like this and the narrative of yep. scarface and i mean it's just new york hip-hop is just littered with scarface samples throughout it you know what i mean like <laughs> <laughs> do you know what i mean it's like they, that is the most hip-hop movie <laughs> right it's crazy <laughs> i mean i think you could just you could probably just play songs through that that sample the movie and nearly get a the complete story but um yeah, it, it's it's kind of crazy. Have you ever done that? Have you ever remixed Scarface or, or no? Because it's, it's <laughs> done. <laughs> totally. Every cause every sample I use would be like, okay, I, yeah, RZA took that, and so was, I mean, everyone's taken something from there. Uh, I don't think I could ever. I don't think I could ever use Scarface. It's like the honey drippers of of drum breaks. It's the yeah. It's, it's been done to death. The funky drummer he can't do it anymore. Yeah, you can't. Like, you would have to warp it so crazy and do some crazy shit. Like, it it would be like trying to pick the bone off a of, off a of turkey that everyone's eaten already. Like, well, there's nothing left. Like, I'm just gonna go eat pho or something. Crazy. Um. Well, yeah. I got I got one more question. It's a pretty important one. It's kind of like the Serato thing. Um. Uh, but what does the power of music mean to you? Oh wow. Damn. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that one. The power of music. I'm not one of those people who thinks like, ah, music can cure cancer or whatever. Like I'm realistic. I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think it will. Uh, but I do believe that if you embrace it and adopt it and learn to speak that language, you're almost unstoppable as a person. It'll make you better. One could argue, depending on what kind of music you uh, gravitate towards, <laughs> but yeah, it could make you better. It could, yeah. I'll say that. It's it's funny you say that. It's like it's totally a language, hey? Like it it kind of um. Everyone loves music. It doesn't matter, yeah, where they're from or what they say. Everyone like, and that's the crazy thing. Even um, I, I imagine with your travels, you've probably been to a lot of different places, and it's like that's the common language, right? Yeah, I mean. There was, before I had traveled internationally, there was a lot of just very English-specific 
bits in my set, whether it was like a movie sample or just words on the screen or something. And, you know, my first time performing in Japan with all of this, I realized way too late that like, oh, they won't, they won't get this. Why am I, why didn't I think of that? Why didn't I replace this with something else? Um, but I did it anyways, and it worked because even if they don't understand the setup, they'll get the punchline of what I'm doing with the thing, with the phrase, even if it's not in their language, because they see the person, you know, saying the thing and, and you know, being scratched and whatever. So it is a language. And I, and I, I definitely add the video element to that, which helps me, but it's still music. Yeah, that's crazy just to think about that in, in another way is that, yeah, you've got the power of music behind you, but then you're adding that other layer, which is this video, which just gives it a whole other context or uh, perspective, right? Yeah, it completely amps up, fortifies, whatever you want to call it, like just it, what I'm doing. Um, and you could even, you know, even if you didn't use, you know, something like Serato Video, just projecting the uh, uh, an angle on your hands, especially on for a scratch DJ playing at a big festival, like, dude, you have to do that. Mm. You have to for the people in the back. You have to do that. Mm. Otherwise, they're not going to be able to. You know, they they can't see this. This is close up magic. You know, you have to show it to people. Uh, that changes everything. Just having that visual changes everything. That's a really good tip. I think that's a really good point. We, I mean, yeah. And I think sometimes that that's lost a little bit. It's great to hear your story about, you know, putting it on a show. I think that as DJs, we, you know, as a, it, we're not, we're not in bands, you know, in bands, obviously you can see people actually playing what they're doing. They're hitting something or they're strumming something, yeah. but you know, there's yeah. usually this kind of line behind which the DJ stands. And yeah, that's a really good point. I think that are really, uh, that's a really big takeaway for us all, you know, for the community. Yeah. Another thing to keep in mind too that I that I realized is like, as much as we know what all this is and how all this works, like I don't even really know exactly precisely how Serato DJ works, but I know enough. Yeah, you know how that works. We have our laptops. We see the waveforms, all this stuff. Dude, ninety percent plus of your audience doesn't really know what's going on there. So you need to give them something to understand. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's that's my thing. Like, especially with video, they have no idea. They still think there's someone else matching what I'm doing. I'm like, do you realize how difficult that would be? That's insane. That'd be crazy to try to match. No, no. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's way easier than that. But once I tell them, I'm just my shorthand is like, I'm just scratching QuickTime files. Oh, okay, cool. I get it. That's, Easy. That that yeah. I guess that really summarizes it quite well. Yeah, that's basically what it is. But yeah, I mean, most people have no idea what the computer's there for. Yeah. No on any any given night, so got to put on a show, man. Well, yeah, we, we're very grateful that you use Serato for those shows, man, and thank you. <laughs> I'm grateful that I'm using Serato. <laughs> there would be no way for me to do any of this. <laughs> no way. Well, and vice versa, we wouldn't really be able to do what we do. If it wasn't for people like yourself using the software and the, and the capacity and doing the things, the kind of insanely creative things that you do. So, yeah, it's a, definitely a, a very reciprocal relationship. It works. Yeah.
Um, well, Mike, uh, thank you so much for your time today and uh, for being our guest on this show. Um, Dude, thank you for having me. It's been a, it's been a while. Yeah. Is there any parting words that you wanted to to add to this this episode? Um, if you're watching this episode, I hope the world has become a great place after 2020. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt, that's a good time. Please, please tell me it's getting better. Well, I hope you stay safe. Hope your family stays safe and your friends. And likewise, when I'm likewise. Uh, allowed back into the U.S., I will uh, come see you. <laughs> <laughs> is anybody at the the studio right now no one no it's right oh wow yeah. everything's uh locked down so yeah yeah but yeah that I, is crazy it is yeah it's a sign it's just uh, a crazy time but yeah we'll get through it man yeah but dude thank you for your support i mean like you sunny everybody is just it's this is a time when we all kind of need each other and you guys have been so, you know, you're teaching people how to do live streams. You're teaching people how to use Serato Studio. Like, it's just like, this is what we need. Yeah. This is keeping me sane. That's awesome. So man. thank you. Well, thank you.